I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. It's your boy, the Primetime Kappa Pop DBIC. And you guys need to listen to my show, the Primetime Angles radio show, which is available live Thursday through Monday, starting at 7 p.m. Pacific time. And you don't know where we might be. Vegas, L.A., Houston, New York, Miami. We do this show everywhere, mobile, but this is all about cashing that ticket. So if you are a big better or a small better and you like to bet college basketball, NBA, NFL, college football, MLB, WNBA, anything that you can bet under the sun, we'll have an angle for you, okay? So make sure you guys do tune in to the Primetime Angles radio show hosted by your boy, the Primetime Kappa Pop DiBiase, also featuring Jeff Dawson, Philly Pete, Bobby Del Rio, and many more um, guests that come in on a weekly basis. So you guys make sure to tune in because this is the best sports betting show in the world. Once again, the best sports betting show in the world. Don't miss out. And this is the Primetime Angles Radio Show live every Thursday through Monday starting at 7 p.m. Pacific Time. Here we are. This is the Primetime Angles Extra Extra. Yeah, today we, it's just a uh, recording and everything like that. It's still the radio show and everything like that. It's just not live on 12 Ounce Sports. It's actually pre-recorded, but it's all about what's going on today. I got Jeff Dawson in the building with me. You know, we couldn't get him last night. You know, he's over there doing his pro uh, bowling thing and everything like that. You know, knocking out, knocking down those pins. I, every time I think of, um, think of, uh, every time I think about bowling and you, I always think about that movie Kingpin. Like who's the guy with the fake hand? That that's Woody, Woody Harrelson. Yeah, who's the guy with the fake? But who's the guy on your team with the fake hand? Or where's the Amish guy? <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, I do have one three hundred to my credit. Uh, uh, I, I, I didn't never got good enough to be on the tour. Uh, I enjoy it. I took a few years off back a few years back uh, been bowling in a very competitive league off uh, about uh, 45 minutes from Boston all the best bowlers around New England come here for this it's sponsored by Pepsi uh, it's a great league uh, it's our fourth year in it uh, we have won the overall once uh, looking forward to next week's the last week uh, currently we're second overall and have a chance to win it all point is uh, it's fun it's exciting it's our night out uh, might take a year off next year. I don't know. Depends on what we just talked about. Where the sports investment business is going, it's uh, pretty, pretty crazy right now. I mean, the wildfire I think is basically being very polite uh, and very soft way of saying what's happening and what is soon to be happening. Right. Well, you know, pretty much we've 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 prepared ourselves for the last few years for this moment and now it's here and now it's time to go ahead and you know close the deal because I think that there's plenty of states out there that are starting out right now that need expertise you know and they might not be want to pay the pretty penny that everybody's trying to you know charge and everything like that so you know then it goes back down to guys like us who are already here for the people 
and you know pretty much want to go ahead and make sure things are done correctly because that's the whole thing man it's going to be a restart of what we just what we just went through for the last five years you're going to have fly by night businesses talk about they'll sell you pics and everything like that and then they're not going to ever give you anything all they're going to do is take your money it's it's all it's all it's all leading leading back into those those stages again, and then you know it's up to the the powers that be to regulate things a little bit because there are going to be groups that are going to have you know thirty forty thousand dollars to do advertisement and things like that, and then you know give you give out all the winners of the day at the end of the day, you know and give you the idea that they're really winning, and then you know they're ten hired people to oh my god another sweep. Oh my God, this is the best capper I've ever seen in my life. He never loses. And anybody who who has common sense knows that's not true. You know, some of these guys have had the, if you know it's a big favorites day and all the favorites lose, that guy lost some money. You guys see the way that they bet and the way that they trend, the way that it trends, you know what I mean? And then you'll really figure it out for yourself, like who's, who's for real and who's not. But, um... I really do like the fact that it's getting the attention that it does need to get. But let's go ahead and get down to the nitty gritty. Let's get down to some business real quick, Jeff. Um, 145th running of the Kentucky Derby Saturday. Lots of controversy. Everybody came back to me and said, Pop, you know, is, is, is is this correct? Is this right? When I look back at the tape again, I said that on any day, on a Thursday, Friday, they would have took the horse down. But most Kentucky Derby situations, they would have probably overlooked it and let the horse that won by four links go ahead and win the race. But and it would have saved them a whole lot of money when it came to uh, these bets. But you guys got to understand, it's not saving them a whole lot of money because the whole pool is the people. It's a uh, paramutual. This is There's no money coming from the track. Seriously, there's not. All the money is coming from the betters. So when a person hits a $78,000 ticket on a Superfecta for eight bucks, it happens. It's supposed to happen. That's how horse racing works. You know, because that's you can turn, uh, turn a small risk into a big reward. Because all the odds are really, really plus odds at the track. But you'll have ones where, hey, you got a horse that's one or two. All you're going to do is get 10 cents on a dollar. That's it. It happens. It happens. It happens. But it's much better than you going in there and saying, "Okay, I'm going to put a hundred thousand dollars up to get a hundred bucks." You know what I mean? So I say to myself, I think that what happened was is that it's some more controversy that didn't need to occur. Now, it, a confused, a confused niche of people don't understand. They feel like the work the, they've cheated the the uh, Kentucky Derby winner. In a sense, they have, but in a sense, they haven't because rules are rules. And they ain't going to change their rules just because this is the biggest race. And that's what people have to understand. <coughs> Jeff, what's your take on this? You know, I it, like everyone else watching this thing live, uh, uh, with vested interest, uh, we have uh, yourself and a handful of experts that we always, you know, take all the information in and, and we try to... Uh, give out as much information possible to the, uh, the uh, investors. Uh, watching that race, was it the right call? Yes, it was. But, and my two cents on this is, unfortunately, 
it was the one who should have made the inquiry, number one. Number two, it was the one that should have benefited from the inquiry and the objection, not the 20. So it's almost like one of these, was it a foul? Yes, it was. Okay. If the seven would have done to the one, what he did to the 20, I have no problem with it. I have zero zip. But the fact of the matter is that he goes out and wins by four or five likes. And then they take him down and, and the, the 20 that had no chance. You know, if the one doesn't get stuffed, stumbled and hats off to the jockey, hats off. Because if that horse went down, there probably would have been four or five horses that went down with him at least. And who knows how many would have had to been euthanized, how many jockeys could have been hurt, never mind killed. Uh, but my take on it, and it's just my take is, uh, I think they could have got away with leaving them up there. I really do. I think there would have been less uproar if they left them up there, to be honest with you, Pops. But my, my whole feeling is I think the one would have been all over that ticket if it didn't you know, almost go down. Uh, and I really feel it was the one that should have benefited somehow, some way, and not the 20. But and, that's my two cents. And that's what sucks about horse racing. If you finish second and they take the winner down, it doesn't matter. They're going to give you the race. Even though the horse Correct. that got, got, you know, the, the brunt of it, they'll just get a better placing. But still, they're not going to win. And the thing is, Flavian Pratt was the one that reported it. And, you know, pretty much everybody's like, well, you know, wow. And so, it, all in all, he looks like a hero. But he looks like somewhat of a... You know, like, come on, man, you kind of ruined the moment. But he's not from America, so he doesn't understand the magnitude of, like, the Kentucky Derby. And as he said yesterday, it is what it is. And you got to understand, Flavin, I actually know Flavin Pratt personally. Um, we actually, and me and my buddy joked about it. He said, damn, Flavin, you get a little cocky, bro. We found you in a, in a, claim, in a 16K claiming race when we found out who you were. Because, you know, you got to understand, he came from the, 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 I'm trying to get him out to I'm on the Kentucky Derby. And we know this guy very, very, very well. Um, so here we are. If if Pops, if you replay the tape right after the race when they went to him and they were interviewing him, his exact words were We got pushed and bumped but we then had a fair shot to win the race and didn't. He didn't say because of the bump, because of the push out wide, whatever he wanted to call it, that was the reason why they didn't win. He clearly stated, yeah, there, there was a little, whatever you want to call it, that's why we, we, we're, we're calling the objection in the inquiry. But we, he said, I got the horse up correct and we just didn't win. So he was saying, yeah, you know, yeah, it was kind of one of these pops where you know you kind of have a, a right to do what he did but you kind of feel a little dirty you know what i mean yeah i right. really might not have should have done this but what the hell anyways you know they they never take it down in the derby we tried it and then they took it down i mean right. and you know so then the sad thing is is that Matt, the owners, the jockeys, the connections now for maximum security, they're not even running in the Preakness, which is sad because, I mean, I don't know where Omaha Beach is and all this and who's going to run that. But the whole point is it's just taking the flair and the, and the, and the you know, the 
triple crown and now maximum now if you're the owner of maximum security you're in a tough spot right now because for breeding rights and everything you're not listed as the winner but let me ask you a question for breeding rights which horse would you rather have want to have the the winner of the kentucky derby or maximum maximum security Right, and the funny part about it is whenever you see the stat line in the race, it's never going to say that Country House won the race. It's just going to say by default. It's always going to be an asterisk. So at the end of the day, you're still going to make the same amount of money in the breeding shed on that horse. Country House actually needs to run two more races to kind of prove his point. Country House might be the most ran Kentucky Derby horse ever after everything's all said and done. I mean, a winner. But he's a winner by technicality. He's not the actual winner, and that's what makes this. That's what makes gets everybody such an uproar. But they don't understand how horse racing works. I'm gonna be dead honest with you. I've benefited it off of. Uh, I've benefited some of my greatest scores off of DQs. Let me give you one great example before we move on to talking about the uh, Jacobs, the Canelo Jacobs fight. Um, I had a horse by the name of Betty Draper. And if you watch Mad Men, you all know that Betty Draper was the wife of Don Draper, his first wife, and um, his baby mama, you know? Um, so pretty much, I took the horse. The horse was from uh, Great Britain, you know what I mean? The horse had, all, had only ran against boys. It was a girl. So the horse winds up finishing second. And what happened was the horse was getting bumped on the way over, la, 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 all that good stuff, right? And so the DQ, and so then they throw the DQ out. Nobody really saw it. Saw, I saw it. And then, you know, I benefited off of a horse that went off at 20 to 1 that I had circled as my, my you know, my best, my, my value of the day, first time starter in America, blase, blase. It should be a good race because this is a salty group. And winds up the horse wins. And then pretty much the horse was able to enter other races after that. But it didn't really do fair as well as it did that day. And that's where I feel like what's going to happen with a horse like Country House is that you ran such a great race that it's never going to be the same for you ever again after that. And it's crazy because he's a Billy Mott horse, things like that. You know, he got the credibility. He got great owners. He got great trainers. And he got my man Flavian Pratt riding him. But... At the end of the day, they copped out of it. They said that we're not going to be in the Preakness. The horse has an illness. Uh, I don't know about all that. I think that they just didn't want the the scrutiny and the mat- scrutiny to mess with them. And they're already doing too much as is. I said that you guys are the only people I know that want something by default and are literally walking around as if you won, won it for real, for real. Like, they're walking roses, in the, the, the actual roses into bars that they're hanging out at. And I'm saying, this is the disgrace to horse racing in a sense, man. This is an absolute joke in a sense, you know, and I feel like you're literally, you're slowly trying to kill it because it started with the Santa Anita situation. Now we got this. What's next? What's next, Jeff? That's my thing. But my, but we'll get back to that as, uh, you know, the weeks and everything like that, um, show us exactly where horse racing is going to go. Hopefully we can get ourselves a pretty good preakness. It's going to wind up just being a really good allowance race. From what I'm hearing, from what I'm seeing, Baffert will probably bring out two, two out of three of his horses to try to get that. Because it's still a million dollars, you know, it's still big money. You know, it's still the biggest race, and it, uh, it's still one of the biggest races of the year. So, it, even though the Triple Crown won't be at stake this time around, since Maximum Security said that he's not, since they said Maximum Security's out, right? Um, 
then it's fine. Then, you know, pretty much we'll just go off and we'll have uh, some great races and everything like that. NBC still has a contract with all three of these ra- uh, with with the, all three of these racetracks to put on their races on national television, so they'll be fine. They they've already made their money, you know, so they'll be good. So let's talk a little bit about Vegas uh, Saturday night, man. Um, J- uh, Canelo Jacobs, another another Canelo event. That yielded a, a, a packed house of twenty thousand people, Jeff. And I said, this is the second time I've been a part of one of his attractions, and once again, it gets twenty thousand to the to the house. And um, I'm just saying, what's what's going to happen when they get him down to Mexico? I think that he'll break Caesar Chavez's, uh, I mean Julio uh, Chavez's record. I said Caesar Chavez, like, I'm, let's not get confused with the um, legendary um, activist that's out of from Los Angeles. Um, but I scored the fight to where a lot of people probably won't agree with me, but I saw something there that I just felt like Canelo wasn't doing enough to actually win the fight, but he did do enough to win the fight. And when I look back at it, I looked at, um, the fight again, Canelo was throwing the more consistent, more, you know, solid shots and everything. But I just felt like Danny Jacobs jab had established enough and he had through he threw some great uh body shots great hooks and things like that but when you do look back at it there wasn't a lot on it to be to be dead honest but it was enough and see he threw more punches than canelo so that gave me the idea that you know i could score danny jacobs 114 112 i said 115 112 but that's that's a blip it should have been 114 112 because there was a draw round in there so I got to take a point away from Danny, but there were other people out there that scored the fight exactly the same way that I did. 115, 113, you know, and I wasn't the only one. That was crazy. Even Juan Manuel Marquez scored the fight 115, 113 to Jacobs, but they said that he has some type of vendetta against Canelo, so that's why he did that. <coughs> Canelo is, is a Mexican boxer, and he's... He's evolving the way that you, you're supposed to think about Mexican boxing. So he's actually using head movement, actual defense, great countering. He's not being a rock'em sock'em robot. He's not. He's being consistent in what he's doing. And I always say that. Well, Professor Mayweather taught him so much that night on his only defeat. And it seems like he does everything that Floyd has done over the years in the ring. And now he he's putting it into his own game, into his own game plan, and he's using a lot of power for it too. But I can see that he sees the fun in it, where he's toying with other boxers and actually controlling the fights. He, Canelo used to not control the fights, now he does, and he did control that fight. In a sense, I just felt like Danny Jacobs did enough to keep him keep him at bay and really frustrate what he was doing. But you know, all in all, I'm I'm. I'm not saying Canelo didn't win the fight. It's just that I judged the fight on 115-113. So if I was sitting on the three-judge uh, panel, I would have been. It would have been a split decision. Sorry, it happens. And see, people have to understand. Judges and people watching the fight have different perceptions, and they judge fights much differently than most. And you know, people were like, "Oh, you crazy if you thought that fight was 115-113." But it's my opinion. At the end of the day. I'm not going to roll with just the announcers were saying the whole time because they they have a job. They have to be pro whoever the favorite is. 
You know what I mean? Because there's a job, and Canelo is a $365 million man. They're going to ride Canelo's coattails even if he's getting beat down to a soundtrack. It doesn't matter. I've been there before with Julio Cesar Chavez, and that's why I said this fight reminds me of the Frankie Randall fight, but he didn't do what Frankie Randall did. Frankie Randall absolutely dominated Chavez that night. That did not occur in this fight. Uh, what happened was Danny Jacobs did enough, in my opinion, to win the fight. But at the end of the day, it was close enough. It was close enough to where we make it. It's close enough to where you can have two sides to it, but it wasn't a, a runaway Canelo victory. Jeff, were you able to watch the fight? I did not see the fight live. We were tied up here. I was actually following your scorecard on Twitter uh, and following some of the others. Uh, I, I mean, you bring up a lot of good points. Uh, uh, what was brought up late was that the, the what was it the same judges that uh, scored the Canelo win, or was it a win or a draw against Triple G last the night? The win over Triple G, actually. Yeah, and, and the they also arena. brought up the fact, and they're also bringing up the fact that uh, no one's going to beat Canelo in Vegas. They're saying no one will. Um, uh, you know, in a title fight, uh, you know, it usually comes down to, you know, you got to knock the guy out uh, or at least knock him down a few times. And, and as much as I was following and listening and uh, uh, it sounded like a lot of rounds were, you know, uh, just not enough action. You know, uh, you know, you take your, you know, you pick your spots, you take your chances, uh, I, you know, I, I don't know. The boxing game is, you know, you got some headliners. I mean, what do they? I mean, who do they want to see Canelo fight? I mean, put it this way: who can step into the ring? I mean, Canelo went off at almost six hundred, uh, six to one, but fight time. All the uh, shops were pouring their money at the end. Who can he fight? Pretty much in an even, you know, what you know, two to one, you know, two and a half to one, minus one eighty. You know, is it Triple G? I mean, who does the public want to see? I mean, who? I don't know. Well, you know, Canelo's in a position now where he's just like how Mayweather was when he got to the status of being uh, the, the, the chooser. So, he, but see, the thing is, Canelo is is about um, define, defining himself as, a, as the absolute greatest boxer to come out of Mexico. So he's trying to take on all challenges. He's not trying to avoid anybody. His last for the two fights were championship fights. Rocky Fielding was easy work, even though a lot of people said, ah, well, you know, that'd be easy for him. I was like, Rocky Fielding was five inches taller than him. And I said, he put the power on him with the body shots, and that was fairly helpful. Danny Jacobs was about four inches taller than him as well. Danny Jacobs is six foot. Canelo is five nine, coming in there as a middleweight. Danny Jacobs is a is a hard hitter from Brooklyn. He's not gonna back down. And you saw what he did to uh, you saw what he did to him. You know, consecutive hooks and you know tripling up on the jab and all that good stuff. And Canelo really was doing some things that you don't see Mexican boxers do. And that's where people have their issues at when they're judging his fights. You know, his last few fights. But the thing is, though, he's boxed brilliantly. That's the whole thing. And that's one thing I will give him is that he has boxed brilliantly in these fights. But the thing is, though, it's not the you're not used to that with Canelo. You're used to Canelo banging and brawling and getting hit a little bit. You know what I mean? So when he's taking his time and, you know, I didn't I, you know what? He was shut out the first three rounds on my card. 
because I just didn't feel like he was pressing the action enough. And Canelo usually is pressing the action right away. But as you start seeing the fight and seeing how the fight's going on, Canelo's trying to get the control. He's trying to get the the the, the fear factor in place to where a guy's not going to be making subtle moves and things like that. And Canelo was hitting him hard enough to where, hey, let me back up and rethink this thing a little bit. You know, but he did get caught with a great right hand in the knife in the knife, and nobody can deny that. You know, and do we need a rematch for this fight? Probably not. But all in all, was it a great night of boxing? Yes, it was. So that's where I'll leave it at that for the Canelo Jenkins fight. I'll give you some breaking news also. Uh, Country House is now out of the Preakness due to illness. Country House. Sounds like, is is it illness or is it just the ridicule of what's uh, going to the Preakness and knowing that your horse is going to finish fifth? That's exactly what it is. Yeah, and you now know that your horse isn't going to compete that well in a two after two weeks after going through what the horse went through. The horse went through a whole lot. You know, to be dead honest with you, the horse went through a lot, a lot, you know. And they say, oh, the horse didn't know if it won or lost. I said, horses aren't as stupid as you think they are. They're actually pretty smart animals. And horses know when they lose races. And that horse knows it lost the race. <laughs> you know, uh, you know and, and I'll, I'll close on the Canelo uh, here. Uh, I, we, I often talk a lot to you about boxing in the old days. And what made the, the boxing so great in the old days is that, that the fighters, it always seemed every month. There was a big fight or every two months, you know, uh, there was always one of those fights. And, and, you know, you were talking about Canelo and picking and choosing. Uh, what boxing really needs is the big name guys. And I know there's a lot of politics and a lot of shit that go on behind the scenes about money. And no, he's not going to fight this, this and this, blah, blah, blah. But the whole point is it really needs, you know, a couple of the big names just to step up. OK, I'll take a fight in May and then I'm going to come back in, you know, uh, September, October. And then if you had a handful of these guys doing this. You know, that's why UFC is where it is today. You know, they have them every week, every other week. But the, there's always seems to be a big name and at least one big fight coming up. And, you know, where society is today, Pops, and you know this very well, it's all about instant gratification. And, and uh, you know, to sit and watch an 8-10 fight card and you just go to your app and you're at the casino. And, and, you know, whether it's finished in 30 seconds or, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, you know, if it goes three, five rounds, whatever it is, it's action. And that's what the public wants. They want action. Right. And, 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 you know, just, ah, well, you know, I really don't want to fight this guy. He might pose a little danger. Why don't we go over here? You know, it'll be a softer one. We can hype this guy up, you know? Yeah. And that's just my take. I, I love boxing. You know that I really do. And I'm pulling for it. And I, I'd love to see it get back on that stage where it used to be. That's all. Well, I'm just going to end it at this. They need to make two fights happen for boxing to get right back where it is. Boxing's in a good place, actually. It's in the best place it's been in the last decade, in my opinion. You know, they're now, everybody's now getting grasping the fact that Pacquiao and Mayweather are, are old and they're on their way and let them go down the road. Canelo Triple G. We'll have an end. They will have a trilogy fight. But all in all, we got great young talent here that's ready to erupt. We got a great division. We got some great fighters in in the lightweight division, 130, 135. 
So things are, are looking looking up for boxing. What needs to happen though is we need to have the super fight between Errol Spence Jr. and Bud Crawford, and we need to have the biggest heavyweight fight since I would say Lennox Lewis and Mike Tyson, and be in well the biggest. Let's say prime for prime. It's gonna be the biggest one since let's say Lennox Lewis and. Well, I'm saying prime for prime, so I'm thinking maybe Riddick Bowe and Evander Holyfield. That's probably the last best big heavyweight matchup you had where guys were both in their primes. There was no excuse about age. You know what I mean? So, um, and that's going to come up with the tight with the um, Joshua Wilder fight, but that fight might not happen until 2021. Eddie Hearn has already said that Wilder already has his three next three opponents lined up. Which will be um, the guy he's fighting now, Brazil, Adam Wanaki, and then another uh, fight with Luis with Louis Ortiz, and that's like, well, I don't know if you want to fight Louis Ortiz, but um, that's what it is, man. And so, you know, we're gonna have to wait a little bit for this Joshua Wilder thing to happen because I guess they're trying to build up more for the pay per view, but the fans want it right now, so you got to give the fans what they want. That's how I feel, but. You know, we'll end it with that. Boxing, we can go all day about this, but it's, we're just going to go all day about these these fantasy matchups that we, we're, we're hoping that will happen, and hopefully it will happen while we still have interest in it. We, hopefully these guys don't lose. They keep things intact, and they keep the hype going as much as possible. The hype kind of sizzled a little bit. It kind of... It kind of, it, the, the the fire for the Manny for the Manny Mayweather fight was still big, but it did simmer a little bit when Manny got knocked out. You know what I mean? Everybody kind of, oh, you know, Floyd dominated the guy. So why didn't we want to watch this? We already know what the outcome's gonna be. You know, but the Manny believers felt like the fight had to happen, and it did. And you know what happened? It was a straight snooze fest. Everybody wants their hundred dollars back. All right, <laughs> and we ended with that. But you know, this is the Primetime Angles Radio Show, and you guys have to understand we are on from Thursday through Monday. But we also do these extra extra shows when I do miss a little bit, and you guys have to understand I only did a show on Thursday, so I owe you. So that's why I'm over here doing the show for you today, and hopefully, um, I'll probably have some time to do it tomorrow as well too. I'll be at the Jamel Charlo. Um, Tony Robinson 2 uh, press conference tomorrow. They'll be fighting at the Mandalay Bay June 23rd for, in a rematch for the WBC 154 title. So it's going to be a lot of... Uh, so that should be fun. I, I know that these guys are going to be going back and forth. I look forward to being there tomorrow. Now, let's go ahead and talk a little bit of baseball, Jeff. We I got the first game up here. I got White Sox Indians. We got the White Sox who are... And the never-ending struggle, it seems like, over the last few years. The White Sox, actually, but actually they're better right now. They're 15 and 18. They've been playing some good basketball, even though they, I mean, some good baseball, even though they did lose, drop three out of four to Boston. But Boston is now starting, trying to get their mojo back and everything like that. The Indians also have dropped their last uh, three out of five as well, too. Even though they got back-to-back wins against Seattle at home, they lost to the White Sox. Um, They lost to the White Sox. 9-1 9-1 yesterday, Jeff. So, how I see this game is, I think that we're going to get another over here. We got Jeffrey Rodriguez and Lu- Lu- Lucas Gioito. Gioito, uh, something like that. It sounds Italian to me. But we have these two going at it. 
Lucas is pre- pitching pretty well. Jeffy got 30 Ks, but he got to 5.32 ERA. And that's how it usually works, huh, Jeff? Guy with a high strikeout rate has a high ERA most times in the MLB. I've noticed that. And guys with small, lower ERAs might not have as many strikeouts as, you know, if they're not dominant pitchers like Kershaw or Scherzer or things like that. But how I see this game shaking out, though, Jeff, I do like the over eight here. It looks like it's getting a little bad down. I think that people are going to feel sharp and say, nah, I'm going to go ahead and take the under. This guy's overwritten all over here to me because when you look at the White Sox in their last few games, they that probably was the best game pitching-wise that they've had over their last four or so because in, against Boston, they gave them 6, 15, and 9. And so you need a bounce-back game like that against an offense like Cleveland, who's kind of – uh, mediocre at this point. They'll be better as the season goes along, but right now they're not as good as, as as they should be. But I still really do think that today they'll still be able to get the uh, over eight here. I know that I'm like, yeah, man, but they still not scoring runs. But see, that's how you get yourself in trouble saying, well, we'll take the under. So I'm going to go opposite of what the thinking should be and go ahead and take the over because this works out for us just, just as much as it will work out for us to take the for sure under, right? So I'm going to take the over uh, eight, eight and a half actually here. But Jeff, it's at down to eight right now. Where do you have it at? It's funny you said I was just looking into that. Uh, I have it opening at nine, dropping to eight and a half. Uh, I'm looking at about 3,000 tickets as we speak. Uh, on the over-under, uh, 19% of the wagers, yet 71% of the money is on the under. Uh, uh, so they're, they're kind of sending us mixed signals here. Uh, the money and the number is going in the right direction. Uh, I give you a quick weather update. Uh, we're looking at around 50 degrees straight through the ball game, about 12 miles an hour, uh, wind blowing in center to right field. Uh, Jerry Meals behind the plate, uh, minus 23.06 units as a home team. Uh, so when he's behind the plate, the home team doesn't fare that well. And he's also uh, 211 and 228 on the under nine. So looks like initially uh, a lane would be White Sox and over uh, based upon, you know, the numbers and what the uh, home plate umpire is saying right now. Okay, and this is a uh, power pick six that I got going. The prime time pick six is a 54 to 1 ticket to Jeff if they parlay it. Uh, but single what you like, and then hopefully we can make this available for you guys for free today on the ECSI. As we as we uh, start integrating more of these uh, pop DBIC primetime plays of the day um, over on the P- over on the ECSI, uh, but let's get that back down to business. We got the Rangers and the Pirates, Jeff. We got Stephen Brock going against Adrian Sampson. Sampson, both pitchers are on one. Sampson has a better ERA strikeouts as well too. It seems like Stephen Brock's been getting beat up a little bit. He's eight eight point thirty one ERA, but. You know what? I'm feeling kind of crazy right now, Jeff. And I see minus 140 on the, uh, the, I see minus 140 on the Pirates. And so what I want to do here is I want to go ahead and take the Pirates with the one and a half run line. You're going to get a plus 135 on that today. 
And I feel like they're going to really, really, really be scoring some runs today. And they dominated um, the Rangers in a weekend series in Arlington last week. And it's crazy, Jeff. It's the first time in 12 years that the Rangers will be playing in Pittsburgh. And since we started interleague play, it's crazy. Some of these teams don't play in, in cities for, like, decades. It's crazy, ain't it, Jeff? Like, how oh, the yeah. scheduling works. is, But it's all about matchups. It's all about box office, too. And sometimes it's just... The box office doesn't draw the way that you want it to draw, especially when it comes to a game like the Pirates and the Rangers. You know what I mean? And the Rangers, believe it or not, you would think that them being from the state of Texas, that they will always have a bunch of fans everywhere because people from Texas are everywhere. But it doesn't really work like that for teams like the Rangers um, or the uh, Astros. Well, Astros now a little bit because they are winning games. But I like the Pirates with the one and a half here. I think the Rangers are playing decent baseball this season, but I just really think that they're they're settling for the basement in the uh, American League uh, West if the Angels don't beat them to it. You know, the Rangers are saying, actually, they're 16 and 16. I'm so sorry about that. They actually have a pretty good record. And when you look at it, the team, the, 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 the division's not that bad, even though Seattle pretty much has dropped, it looks like, 16 out of their last 22. Because Seattle started off the season 13 and 2. They're 19 and 18 now, Jeff. So it goes to show you how this MLB thing works. And when you, at the first of the season, when you can have a good start, it looks like that you're going to be a world beater. But then reality hits. And then you start turning into exactly who you're supposed to be. And so that's what it looks like what's happening with the Mariners. I don't have the Mariners game up here for a reason. I stayed out of that because that one was tough to call. You got uh, Takashi on the mound for that one and with going against Gonzalez. And then Red Sox, Orioles, I stayed out of that one too because the Red Sox been having their issues with the Orioles this season as well too. That ain't no lock win. You know what I mean? And the linesmakers keep giving you, keep putting you, keep putting players in a trap because they're going to literally make you take the one and a half run line on Boston today or take the half or half a run line for the first five innings today and it'll probably blow right back up in your face just because it feels the trap is in place. You know, Jeff? You know, because this is a division rival, and the Orioles, if they're going to beat anybody, it'll be the Red Sox this season. That's how it's looking. You know, they're, they're going to be the stickler all year to the Red Sox. But let me get on to the next game that I got here for us, Jeff. This one is going to be a doozy. It's going to be a doozy, my friend. Uh, we got the D-backs and the Rays. I actually had the D-backs as my dog of the day yesterday, and they got flattened, Jeff. You saw what happened. They got absolutely wrecked yesterday. Today, though, I do like the D-backs and the Rays under eight and a half. And what's the numbers looking like for that one, Jeff? Uh, D-backs, Rays, uh, opened at eight and a hook. It's at eight and a hook, uh, juiced minus 120 on the over. Uh, currently looking at uh, about 1,500 tickets. 75% of the wagers and 78% of the money are on the over. Uh, currently, right now, Tampa opened at 164, is now 180 across the strip. And uh, public all in on Tampa today 71% of the bets and 82% of the money on Stanek and the Rays. I will give uh, uh, the listeners uh, uh, a funny little stat here and don't quote me on the exact numbers, but I'm going to go 
33 games, Tampa and its opponent have scored 28 times. They're 28 and 5 the first 33 games in scoring in the first inning. Mm. Mm. Well, that's a good stat. That's almost like money in itself right there. But I think, Jeff, with the numbers you just gave me, everything says push for that upset with the uh, Diamondbacks today. We didn't get it yesterday, but I think you can go ahead and circle them today as another dog of the day situation. I think that they, they'll come through for you today, but I definitely know this game is going to go under today because it has to because it has to go under because I said it's going to go under. <laughs> but that doesn't mean it's going to happen. But, you know, let's see how it checks out. But I have the under eight and a half here in the spot, Jeff. And that's where I, what I'm rocking with. Jeff said it's down to 165. I think that's the perfect number because it opened at minus 190. So I think that, but I think by the time we get to the window, if you you pull up over there at Caesars at 345, it'll probably be minus 185, Jeff, minus 190. Right now, Caesars has got it at 178. Yep, it, it'll, probably, it, it'll, be, it'll bump up more because somebody you see the 178 go absolutely ape shit about it. And it really rounds off to 180. So they'll be like, oh, I'm getting 180 on, on a team that's just won there. That's got one of the better records in the league, man. And they won by 11 runs. That's how you get That's how you get caught up in the trap. Because you, you think about yesterday's game. Baseball is not about yesterday's game. It's about today's game. <laughs> and today's game only. Last night is just a... Is just another box score. That's it and that's all. That's what baseball pretty much is, Jeff, is box scores until we get to the World Series. <laughs> that's correct. You know, that's all it really is. And, you know, it's not good. you're not going to win 20 in a row like that in baseball. It's tough. It's really tough. All right. Now, we got Diamondbacks and Rays now. Now, I got a good one here. I got the, We got the Nats and the Brewers. And I think that we got um, the boy going today, Steven Strasburg, correct? That is correct. All right. And then, so, you know, Strasburg used to be, oh, an easy bet. Now, but since injuries and things of that nature have piled up, he's not the same pitcher, it, it seems like, for people. But I still trust him. I still like him. I think that he, he's going to pitch well today. I think the Nats are going to play well today. That's why I'm not uh, scared at all to take the money line on them today with the minus 115, Jeff. is How's it looking uh, all for the Vegas numbers right now for that? Well, they, they uh, Strasburg opened at 115 at Penny and 120 at Chris. Uh, currently, as we speak, we're looking at 2,000 tickets. 48% of the wagers, yet 67% of the money now is coming in on Milwaukee. And Caesars, Westgate, MGM, William Hill, and the win currently now have the Brewers as the favorite. So it's kind of a pick em. Uh, you know, obviously where you go to play it, you're probably looking at minus 110 either which way right now. All right. Well, we got the Okay, so that sounds good. And I just think that that's a good little road team for you today. You know, I know I usually will be like, man, take the plus money. I usually have these guys lined up as plus money, my road road teams. But, you know, today I just wanted to kind of play it safe, help you guys hit a 54 to 1 parlay. Because this is a very, very doable uh, list right here that I'm giving you right here. And that's what it's all about. I'm just trying to hand out value to you guys. I'm not just trying to hand out a ticket that you can just cash. But you got to put your your rent, your car note, everything on it to just get a little bit of profit. You know what I mean? I'm trying to get you guys 
small risk, big reward type bets where, man, you can go ahead and put Jeff 20 bucks on it and you're going to make yourself 1080. It's that simple. It's that simple. I had a guy send me a ticket the other day, put $100 down on a four-teamer to get back 1000 bucks. But I t- said to myself, I said, well, you know, if you would have just, and then he misses it by one. And I said, well, you know, it would have been much smarter if you just said 25, 25 each, and then you throw 25 on the parlay. And then you got yourself three winners, one loser, and then, you know, you pretty much made all your money back. You know what I mean? But, you know, people people are going to bet the way that they want to bet. Everybody wants what we keep saying, that instant gratification. Everybody wants to hit a lotto ticket. It's fine. It's good for you. But all in all, sometimes you just got to hit the ticket. So... Let me continue because I only got Jeff for so long. So let me go ahead and uh, get the, uh, and I only got so long as well, too. So we got Cubs in the next uh, spot, Jeff. And they actually give the Cubs a really good number, which is kind of scary in a sense because the Marlins are awful. I've said this on more than one occasion. The all Marlins are 10 and 24. They finally got the double digit wins. After 34 games a season, you know, most teams, everybody's in double is when has won their 10th game pretty much by now, except for them. But they they now they're 10 and 24. So they're somewhat in in they're somewhat getting better, I think. But they're going with the plan that Jeter has a place be absolutely awful so we can collect the best talent, amateur talent. So then maybe one day we can make ourselves a big, big deal for a big, big star with these prospects that we have. And we all know that the Marlins are able to develop some of the best minor leaguers that to ever come into the game. You know, it, the list goes on and on with guys that they brought in um, to baseball. So I really do like the Cubs the other day with the minus 165. That's a big, that's kind of a big number for me when it comes to a favorite, but I think that we can trust it. We're at Wrigley. We're playing against, the, we're going against the worst team in baseball. And the Cubs are actually trying to string together a pretty good winning streak right now so they can get back to their winning ways. And, you know, the Cubs still got a bad taste in their mouth for missing the playoffs last year. That was epic, huh, Jeff? They're missing the playoffs last year because everybody had the Cubs circled to make the playoffs and everything like that. But I just knew that they were going to find a way to mess it up. Because they've already won their championship. They already got the taste of being winners and they already got the taste of it. You know what I mean? Two years, you know, two a year removed from a championship. You know, the, the Dodgers wasted you in the championship series in Wrigley. They literally pretty much returned you back to being who you are. You know what I mean? The Cubs, you had one great season. You put together the right team. You got Theo Epstein in there to get everybody right. And there you go. You get yourself a World Series. But now it's time to get back to reality. And I really do feel like the Cubs... We'll go ahead and win this game today. I got them at a minus 165 today for that. And that's where we're going with that one. How's the tickets looking on the Cubs? Uh, 80-20, huh? Yeah, they dropped. Uh, by the way, they gave up three in the ninth to lose one. They're going up against the uh, ace of the Miami, by the way. The Carson Smith kid has been pretty electric for them. Uh, Lester versus Smith, uh, 80% uh, wagers, 69% monies on Lester. Opened up at 200 at Penny, is now 156, and it opened up at 163 at uh, Chris, is now 158. Uh, 155 straight across the Vegas Strip as you speak. So currently, currently, uh, slight reverse line movement on Miami. 
Uh, gonna be a little cool out in Chicago, about 45 degrees from eight to 11. Uh, wind blowing 12 and a half miles an hour straight in from center field. None of his favors, uh, the Marlins. <laughs> None of, all right, so, and then uh, real quick, we got Pierre Paul. Uh, I didn't even know he was on the Bucks now. Pierre Paul is probably going to be done for the season, fractured uh, neck injury, things of that nature. Well, he already had fingers blown off. I would have thought the guy would have retired by now, but it is what it is. Get that money. I, I, I need to uh, – we have three minutes here. I need a State of the Union for two minutes here. Uh, what's going on in Boston as we speak? Uh, as you witnessed uh, uh, the dismantling of the Celtics – uh, the Celtics uh, go into Milwaukee, win game one by 30. Uh, duck boats, parades. The Celtics are here. We can't wait to face Golden State in the championship, yada, yada, yada. Uh, 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 they no-show on Sunday uh, back in Milwaukee. That's okay, though. We got two home games. Kyrie, playoff Kyrie, we're all set. Uh, uh, blame the refs in game three. They, get outscored. Uh, they gave up 71 points in the second and third quarter in game three. Uh, and yesterday again, they lose the second and third quarter. Currently down three to one. Uh, and uh, just came across uh, from one of our sources. Um, basically, in a nutshell, uh, that uh, Horford and Smart had a team meeting and basically was making Kyrie feel a little uncomfortable. I mean, the writing's been on the wall. I've spoke to you for a long, long time now. Uh, as you know, Kyrie and KD's plans to go to New York. Um, unfortunately, Danny Ainge in his regime as GM in the Celtics is going to be put in his toughest spot ever because now you have to make a decision. Are you going all in? He has coveted Anthony Davis forever. And what I'm hearing and what I'm expecting is he's pushing all in. So if it's Tatum, Tatum and picks, Tatum and another player and picks, he's going for it. Uh, Haywood's been inconsistent, another no-show, minus 48 on the floor last night when he was on the floor. Uh, so do you bring the kids back? See, the problem with the Celtics, when you look at this picture, Pops, is this. They beat the Bucks last year without Kyrie, without Hayward. They got to a game seven against Cleveland and lost, okay? Now you bring Kyrie, now you bring Hayward, and they're about to get bounced in the second round. Now, I can clearly state that they lost or are losing to a better team. The Bucks are a better team this year right now than the Celtics. Case closed. So right. Kyrie wants to take a show to MSG, God bless him. Because you know what? Zip code, area code change... It's fine, but you still got to take that same person. So he was sour leaving Cleveland because he didn't get the props. He didn't get the attaboys. He didn't get his butt massaged because it was always LeBron. So he came to Boston because he wanted to be that guy. Well, if he looks in the mirror, he can't handle that. He can't. So unfortunately, it looks like we're going to go out with a whimper here in Boston. That's okay. But my real concern is what does Danny do? I really think Danny needs to look deep and say, you know what? I'm going to keep the kids because they weren't allowed to grow this year. Jalen Brown, Tatum weren't allowed to take that next step because Kyrie and Hayward were back. Let them grow. You got Alpha one more year. You got Hayward here. Uh, you got some picks in the draft. Don't blow it up to go all in for Anthony Davis because there's no guarantee that he's going to sign the following year. I just think that's the wrong move. That's my two cents. 
I agree. I think that the Celtics need to just stay pat and they just need to rid themselves of Kyrie. But I thought that they could have been smarter and just rid it. The they could have they could have got rid of this situation before the trade deadline this year. They could have made a deal with the Knicks to you know bring in guys like they could have they could have robbed they could have literally. They, they could have literally held New York hostage. They could have got Kevin Knox. They could have probably got the young the young center that they got over there as well, too. You know, uh, to, to come play for him, you know, in this situation. Da- da- Dallas, Dallas, not to jump in, Dallas caught wind. Because there have been rumors, rumors about the Celtics making a move for Pozingas. Right. Okay? Dallas jumped in and said, eh, no, 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 no. And they jumped in and got Porzingis shipped and Smith over there. Uh, so they beat the Celtics to that punch. But unfortunately, this year's going to end on a sour note. And Kyrie can take his shirt off at the end of the third, fourth quarter, storm out. You know, there's the, you know, don't let the door hit you in the ass, Kyrie. You know, because you know what? You came here and what did you do? You, you, you know, you, you weren't, you didn't play in the playoffs last year. And in game seven, Versus Cleveland in your home court, you're going to get a nose job for your movie. You couldn't even sit on the bench with your team, and now you, you said this year the whole season uh, it's just, it's all about the playoffs. You know, it's Kyrie, it's the playoffs, and look, we have one great game, game one. There you go, golf clap. Where you been since? Right, right, and it just goes back to because. It's all he's trying to make it all about you, and the t- thing is, is, you got the Boston Pride situation that I constantly talk about. And if you you don't get Boston Pride, it's gonna be tough for you to be on the Celtics. And Kyrie just doesn't get Boston Pride. Kyrie is the perfect example of what it is to be in New York, to be on the New York Knicks. You go somewhere else and you play really, really well, and you overthink this thing a little bit. Then you have the Knicks go ahead and sign you to absurd amount of uh, to absurd contract with a big amount of money and then you can go ahead and be comfortable and then you can just be a citizen and you can be a New Yorker first and then a basketball player second and nobody's going to question that until they get tired of you know whatever show that you got that whatever you're running and that's why he asked the Cavaliers off top to send him to New York he he didn't ask for Boston he wanted New York or Brooklyn when he was in, when when they asked him where would he like to be traded to, and when I said the Knicks, I thought the Cavs would jump all over it as a as a punishment. Someone, oh, you want to go to the Knicks? Hey, Knicks, give us everything, and the Knicks would have probably did so last season. But now the Knicks are smart; they thinking they're they're thinking much much uh, clearer now, and so no deal like that can happen. But they surely are going to sign him to uh, I think a two hundred million dollar contract at least. This, um, you know, pretty much are to 150, 200. It doesn't matter. They got the cap space to do it. So, you know, on his way to the Knicks, exactly the place where he belongs at is in New York. And, you know, well, don't even think about and, the Lakers. And, and, and you, you know, something uh, we bring up, I think you really got to start not... I think we do a lot of it here, especially you and I, is when you talk about NBA, when you talk about superstars and divas, okay, the word brand has to go hand in hand. It's not about what you do on the court. It's also about your brand. And that's why the NBA All-Star Weekend is such a big thing, because these guys are able to get with their colleagues and talk about, hey, what, what are you thinking next summer? What are you doing? It's about building their brand. Kyrie, yeah, he wants to be the guy, and maybe with KD, maybe with Zion. It's going to be fun. You know what? I pray. 
I pray that it happens. Kyrie, KD, and the Knicks get the number one pick and get Zion. Because I love hearing the Oregon play. I want to see Spike prevalent on Sundays again. I want to see it, okay? But it's not just about what they do on the court. It's about the brand. It's about... What am I doing? Am I on this billboard? Am I on that billboard? It's about my sneakers. What movie do I got coming out? That's what it's all about. Right. Right. And, you know, and New York's the perfect place for that. You know, they're going to let you, you have that. Boston wants you to be a basketball player all the time. You know what I mean? And that's the difference. You know, Boston is about winning basketball games. New York's about, you know, building building brands and images and things like that. And, you know, to a lighter sense, Los Angeles is the same exact way. But we want you to play. We want you to do some winning, too, while you're over here as well. You know, we're not going to appreciate you just being here, being in commercials and doing all this good stuff. And, you know, that's no diss to LeBron because, like I said before, LeBron didn't have a bad season. The Lakers, all in all, just weren't prepared for a superstar of LeBron's of LeBron's nature at this point because we hadn't had one in so long. That's the whole thing. And now I know that they can adjust to it. It's just that I wish that LeBron and his team wouldn't feel that they need to have say and just let the Lakers do what they do what they do because Jeannie Buss has been in the game for 40 years as, uh, you know, pretty much as as an owner, but she wasn't the, the owner. Her father was the owner, but still, it's her father, so she's still as she still was going to always have a part of the team and he's prepared her to make strong moves and hire strong people. I just feel like everybody has to not have such, have such an opinion about everything and, and pressure and put so much pressure on situations like Ty, Ty Lu seems like a force. Honestly, that's why it's taking so long to hire him because I don't think that she wants to hire him, but it's like she doesn't have any options. Then they're talking about Tom Thibodeau coming in as the top assistant. I said, that doesn't make any sense. Why isn't Tom Thibodeau just coming in as the head coach? You know, top assistant. So that means that he'll be doing all the coaching while Ty Lue does exactly what Doc Rivers did. Put your arms around and cross your arms and, and act like you're doing something. You know, and I just really don't want him as the Lakers coach. But you know what? As a fan, I got to just let them bring in whoever they feel is going to be best. But I really don't think that he's the best option for this coaching job. I think that he was broken mentally by LeBron in Cleveland and by Dan Gilbert in Cleveland. And he'll never be a really sufficient head coach anymore. He'll be good at getting you notes and everything like that as an assistant, but not as a head coach, in my opinion. So that's there it is with that on my little stated stated on my feelings two cents on where my Lakers are going right now as well, Jeff, since we have a Celtics Laker talk. But uh, all in all, we got about a few more minutes before the recording goes off. So uh, tonight for the playoffs, I like the over in the uh, Sixers Raptors game. I think the Raptors will win the game. I don't know if they'll cover. Uh, I like that a lot though. Then. Oh, the series of series. The series that we all knew that was going to be tough, tough, tough. And this series is the uh, Blazers and the Nuggets. And I truly do feel like the Nuggets are going to actually run away with this one tonight. I think that they played, they're showing that they can, they've been, they, 
that it hasn't been tough for them, Jeff. You know, in my opinion, to really get over the top, to get leads in games and get right back in games. And I think that it's going to show tonight and that they'll get back-to-back. They'll be the first team in this series to get back-to-back wins. And they'll win tonight. And I think the Blazers take care of game six. And then game seven, all bets are off. The best team will win. That's how I'm feeling. The series is going seven, Jeff. That's for sure. So I, I I agree. I mean, I thought the public was sneaky, you know, the, the 140, 150, 169, whatever you want to give the Nuggets to Portland. Uh, the, the, the series has kind of played the script. Uh, Sunday uh, uh, had definite leans on Philly and uh, Denver both pulling up the, the road wins. It's quicksand Sunday, and both dogs did prevail there. Uh, and you, you really did dig into that Portland-Denver game on Sunday. You know, it was a coin flip in regards to you have no way of knowing how these teams are going to respond after a four-overtime game. Uh, and so it would be interesting tonight. I think the mile high will catch up to Portland. Uh, I'm seeing four and a halfs across the strip. Our line predictor right now does see it going to five. So if any of our listeners are interested in uh, Denver tonight uh, and uh, the money line is too steep for them at 205. I strongly suggest getting to the window now. Uh, buy the hook and get them down to minus four. Otherwise, the money line at 205 there. And uh, the Raptors right now are flat six across the Vegas Strip. By MGM right now, six and a half on Toronto versus Philly. And our line predictor has that going to six and a half all across the Strip as well. Oh, wow. So it is what it is. We've got about 30 seconds left. I want to thank Jeff so much for joining me today. I know he's mad busy. we got the Zoom thing that we're working out right now for the videos and everything like that. So you guys uh, be on the lookout for that as well. You guys can follow Jeff at EC Sports Invest on the Twitter. You guys can follow me at PopDBiase. And this is the Primetime Angles radio show. Extra, extra on a Tuesday afternoon. And you guys have a beautiful day, and we are on our way out. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. It's your boy, the Primetime Kappa Pop DiBiase. And you guys need to listen to my show, the Primetime Angles radio show, which is available live. Thursday through Monday, starting at 7 p.m. Pacific time, and you don't know where we might be. Vegas, L.A., Houston, New York, Miami. We do this show everywhere, mobile, but this is all about cashing that ticket. So if you are a big better or a small better, and you like to bet college basketball, NBA, NFL, college football, MLB, WNBA, anything that you can bet under the sun, We'll have an angle for you, okay? So make sure you guys do tune in to the Primetime Angles radio show hosted by your boy, the Primetime Kappa Pop DiBiase, also featuring Jeff Dawson, Philly Pete, Bobby Del Rio, and many more um, guests that come in on a weekly basis. So you guys make sure to tune in because this is the best sports betting show in the world. Once again, the best sports betting show in the world. Don't miss out. And this is the Primetime Angles Radio Show live every Thursday through Monday starting at 7 p.m. Pacific time.